I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have all of you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Fulfilled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me. My name is Suraj, and I came here um, last, um, last month to preach, and it was wonderful to be able to have this fellowship with you. Thank, uh, thank you so much for having me. And um, So I would like to give you a bit of uh, Sobi's update. Uh, but before that, I would like to share with you why Sobi's ministry is important in Tasmania. Um, in Tasmania, over 159 languages are spoken. And Nepali language, is the second, Nepali language was the second most spoken language other than English in Tasmania in 2016. Indians are the largest group entering Australia, Nepalese being the second largest in um, group entering Australia. And Nepali community was the fastest growing community in Australia in 2015. So there's a massive field in Tasmania and churches should be trained and churches should be able to share God's word with those people. And service is doing really, really well because of the partnership with you, because of your partnership. So at service, you guys have been praying for service and... Uh, and praying for Sabiz, encouraging and supporting me financially as well. So uh, Sabiz is going really well this year, um, this year, this semester. So we have around 
35 to 40 non-Christians uh, coming to our service, our weekly program, to hear the good news of Jesus. What, else, you know, what could be better than that? Non-Christians hearing the good news for the first time in their life. That's incredible. So uh, praise God for that. And thank you so much for your support, for your uh, encouragement. Um, so I really deeply appreciate that. We, we recently finished uh, our series called uh, Uncover from the book of John. It's been, yeah, it went really well, and now we have, um, uh, we're going to start di- um, different series uh, this semester. Um, so it's been going really well. Thank you so much. Um, today, the topic of my sermon is rejoice. It's simple, rejoice, because Christ is priest. Sorry, I went the other way around. Sorry. Yeah. Rejoice because Christ is praised. But before that, I would like to, um, I would like to get you to think about this um, scenario what ha- that happened at Sabbath. On, on one of our Sabbath, week, um, Sabbath nights, we had the Bible study um, in groups. And the Bible study was from the book of uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. You know, the, the, the parable Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. This man finds it and uh, goes and sells everything and everything he has and comes back to, to buy this land where the treasure was in. So this was the passage that we picked. And after reading the passage, I asked these students in my group if they have anything they would like to say or if any comment they would like to make. So I asked those students, expecting they would say something like, oh, the man was wise. Something like that. And what the students said, said was really, you know, shocking. The students said, well, that person was very selfish because he didn't share with his friends and family. Did you notice? Because, you know, Nep- the Indian and Nepalese culture is a very collectivist culture. Everything is shared. In the Western world, you have individualistic culture. It's all about me, mine, I am, my so in the in the Sabi's eyes, this guy was this guy was very selfish, but in the Western eyes, this guy is very um, wise. So how would he share the gospel with those people? That's why the churches should be trained to share the gospel with the subcontinentalists or the immigrants. So anyway, let's get into the um, the sermon. So I will talk about this a little bit more in the later in. Um, So as we know that this um, epistle was written by Paul, and there are so many things we can learn from the life of Paul, but one of them is how to encourage others. Paul is really good at encouraging others. He's the master of encouragement. And it's beautiful what Paul says in verses uh, 4 and 5. He says, I pray with joy. That's a beautiful thing to say. I pray with joy. To be honest, I pray with frustration. Sometimes I pray with anxiety and, and, and uh, stress and so on. But we need to learn from Paul how to pray with joy. As we all know that this is written by Paul, and it is believed that Paul would have been in prison when he wrote this letter. Some people argue that you know, in, in prison you, can't, you are not allowed to write anything. But we know that Paul wrote this letter. And if you do research on how, uh, what prisons would be back in the um, first century... It would be awful to read, the, you know, 
It would be very... Um, um, now that nowadays the prisons are really good, and you, you also have TV and everything. But back then, it, it wouldn't be like that. The underground prisons would be back then, and you wouldn't be able to see the sun for months. And the darkest place would be the most secured place. And the most wanted criminals would be would be in the darkest place, and then they wouldn't be able to see the sun. In some cases, for life, they wouldn't be able to see the sun. And Paul is in there. Can you imagine Paul is in there? He hasn't seen the sun for many, many days or months. And he hasn't eaten good food. And the rats are running around. Dead bodies would be there. Cold, damp, stinky. And Paul is in there and he says, I pray with joy. That's incredible. And he gives the reason, I pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel. And, the, and Paul is in prison when he wrote this letter, and, he, and the concept of joy comes about 16 times in four chapters, chapters, and which means Paul wrote the most joyous letter when he was in prison. And that's incredible. That's a wonderful thing to learn from Paul. I pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel. So when I read this letter, it reminds me of the partnership I have with you in the gospel. We have been able to, you know, we are able to share God's word, God's word with our subcontinent friends because of the partnership I have with you. If I hadn't partner, if I didn't have partnership with you, we wouldn't be able to share God's word with those people. And God works through partnership. God works through partnership. Sorry. Partnership is one of the most important things in, uh, in, in any ministry in the world. And when, Paul, when you read Paul's letter, he uses the language, pray for one another, support one another, encourage one another, be united together. That sort of language he uses, which means partnership. Partnership is very important. And any ministry in the world suffers if there is no partnership. Sabi suffers if I don't have partnership with you. Your ministry suffers if you don't have partnership with other people. So partnership is very important in any ministry in the world. And God works through partnership. And there's a beautiful saying, there's a beautiful saying it goes something like this. If you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with the team. As Christians, we want to go far, we want to go further and further, explain, you know, uh, proclaiming the good news of our Lord Jesus. And it's better to go in a team. It's better to go as a, as a team. And it's healthier and better to go with the team. So the part, partnership is very important. God works through partnership. And verses 12 and 13 this verses remind me of my testimony how I, when I became a Christian. So I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. And after that, I'm going to reread these verses again in my own words. So Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I was born into a Hindu family, and I became a Christian when I was about 10 years old. 
And there used to be a church next to my, in my village, next to my house, very close to my house. And every Saturday, I used to see these little children going to church and having fun playing and playing games and doing activities and uh, eating food. And I really wanted to go to this church. So Saturday is our public holiday, not Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week in Nepal. So I, every Saturday I used to see these little children going to church, having great time, and I really wanted to go to church. But my father said to me, no, never go to church. Christianity is a Western religion, and Jesus is a Western God. So, they are, uh, so Jesus is not our God, so never go to church. So being a rebellious child, once I went to church. And <clears throat> when I, I was about to enter the church, the pastor came and said to me, Hi, Suraj, please don't come to church. If, you, if your father knows that you came to church, he will make mess and he will fight with me. So he was reluctant, reluctant to uh, welcome me. So what I did, I went behind around the church to look in through the window what was happening in the Sunday school. So we, you have a mat, very, very, you know, very, very expensive church, but in Nepal it's like a shed. Window, door, and that's it. And then so every Saturday morning, I used to go behind the church to look in through the window, uh, the Sunday school, what was happening, and seeing my passion to know about Jesus and uh, to be a uh, part of the community, the pastor came and said to me, um, you can come to church, I will talk to your father and we will pray and let's see what happens. Since then, I went to church every week and learned more and more about this new foreign God, Jesus. And I was about 16 or 17 years old. Uh, my father said to me, Suraj, I have noticed that you have been going to church for a long time. And I'm very, very sad because you are going to church. Today, today you have to make a decision. If you want to stay in my house, you should stop going to church. But if you continue to go to church, I will kick you out of my house. That's what he said. And I didn't have anywhere to go. And then I said, well, I can't live without Jesus. As a result, I got kicked out of the house. Remember in my culture in Nepal, leaving the house at the age of 17 or 15, 16 is very unheard of. You don't do that. But I didn't have any options, so I did. I got kicked out of the house. So having heard my story that I got kicked out of the house because I became a Christian, to my non-Christian friends and family and relatives, it became clear that Suraj got kicked out of the house for Christ. And one of the funny things about collectivist culture is if something happens in your family, everyone knows before you do. That's the funny thing. And so, and people started to say, who is this new God Jesus? Because of this, um, Suraj is you know, kicked out of the house. So it, it became a hot topic to gossip in my community. So I have written verses 12 and 13 in my own words. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole village to my non-Christian friends and family and relatives, it became, uh, um, I, I got kicked out of the house for Christ. So following Christ is, Christ is not easy, especially in countries like Nepal and India. I remember every time I went to church, my dad chucked my meal in the bean. And he would tell my mom not to give food for a day, for a couple of days. And I remember a few times he tied me to a pole, my hands and legs to the pole for going to church. 
But I, that didn't stop me from going to church. So I'm not trying to brag about my testimony. No, no. I'm just sharing this is, what it, this is the life if you, become a, um, if you become a Christian. If you have decided to follow Jesus, that's normal. You have to go through that. So in, in, if you want to become a Christian in countries like Nepal and India, Christian, life begins with persecution, not prosperity. And you have to be ready. So once if you become a Christian, the first reaction is, like, is not a party. The first reaction is like, wow, I have become a Christian. Now I should be ready. I may be kicked out of the house anytime, so I should be ready. So that's the first reaction. So, life begins with persecution, not prosperity, when you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. So there are uh, verses 15 and 16. There are two types of people. The people who like Paul, when they heard that Paul was in prison, they became confident to share the gospel and they preached the gospel. And they, they, they preached the gospel out of goodwill. But the people who didn't like Paul, they, when they found out that Paul is, was in prison, they also started to preach the gospel, but their motive was different. Their, their intention was wrong. So they started to preach the gospel out of rivalry and envy. When they found out that Paul was in prison, they started to preach the gospel to create a conflict in the church. And they are preaching Christ, they are preaching Christ to stir people up against Paul. Have you noticed here, Paul is not going thinking, I don't know those people, what sort of theology they have, what sort of doctrine they have, what sort of teaching they are giving. He's not worried about those things. Rather, he's rejoicing because he knows that Christ is priest. Paul could have easily worried about those people. Paul could have easily become stressed about those people, especially the people who were preaching Christ out of rivalry and good um, um, envy. But he's not worried, you know, he's less worried about those things. He's glad, he's happy, he's rejoicing because he knows that Christ is priest. You know, some Christians really got, get hung up in small details. Some Christians are really fussy about their traditionally shaped Christian faith. If someone doesn't agree with what they believe, they think it's wrong or weird. You know, we all come from a different culture, different background, different context. And we read the Bible with our culturally shaped lens and we interpret the Bible accordingly. So it's okay to disagree in small details. If it's not a theological issue, it's fine. But if it's a theological issue, then you should take a stand and you should not compromise. So it's okay to disagree in small details. Um, so, you know, uh, some of the things like, um, how often do you take Holy Communion? It's not a big issue. Once a month or once, once a week or every fortnightly, it doesn't really matter as long as you do it in the remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. You know, I come from a village where it is very hard to find grape juice. Yeah, it's true. It's very difficult to find grape juice. If you found it, it's too expensive. Some churches can't afford. So what would you do in that situation? So I remember in my church we used to use, um, sometimes we used um, Fanta instead of grape juice because we couldn't afford. And sometimes diluted, um, diluted lemon juice. So... 
that, you know, that's why we need, to, we need to think through. If it's a theological issue, then you should work it out and you should not compromise. You should take a stand. But if it's not a theological issue, if, if it's a minor issue, then we should not worry too much about it. I, and also, what, at what age do you get baptized? It doesn't really matter what age. So we need to find out which one is a theological issue and which one is a traditional or um, a cultural issue. So it's okay to disagree in small details, but the main thing is that we believe that Jesus is the only Savior and we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. That's the most important thing. So do you know when you go for a driver license um, test or assessment, the instructor always says, as long as it is safe and legal, you can do anything. Likewise, when we preach the gospel, we need to know two things. Faithful to the text and relevant to the context. You, you need to be faithful when you share the gospel. And also, is whatever you're saying making sense to them? Have they understood what you say, what you have said? So that's why relevant to, uh, faithful to the text faithful to the, to the word of God and relevant to the context. And also you need to, you need to think through what works in your audience and you, you need to do what, what work works in your, for your audience. For example, why does a loving God allow suffering to happen in the world? This is one of the most popular topics or one of the biggest questions in Western countries. Why does a loving God allow suffering to happen in the world? And many preachers have preached on, on this topic and many books have been written on this topic. But this works only in Western countries. It doesn't work in countries like Nepal and India. This question, in fact, doesn't even exist in countries like Nepal and India. So in you know, Nepal and India are highly Hindu predominant countries. In Hinduism, there is no concept of loving God. In Hinduism, what happens, you know, gods are up there in heaven and human beings are down here on earth and they are trying their best to please their God by sacrificing animals on different occasions, by going to uh, different temples every week. So this question doesn't even exist. And if you, if, if you preach the gospel, you know, if you preach on this topic, in Sabi's context, it seems like you are answering the question which hasn't been even asked. So, so what is the biggest question in our country, in our culture? Well, the biggest question is, I like Jesus. He's a great guy. He's a great God. But how can I honor God? How can I honor Jesus without dishonoring my non-Christian parents? That is one of the biggest questions we are struggling. I'm not struggling. I you know people from subcontinental countries, they're struggling. I like Jesus. He's great. But I don't want to hurt my non-Christian parents. At the same time, I want to follow him. But how? That's the biggest question. And also, how can you say that Jesus is the only way? That's one of the biggest questions we are wrestling with. So you need to be relevant to the context as well for your audience. And let's see um, verse 18, what Paul says. It's really interesting. I'm going to read. But what does it matter? Verse 18. What does it matter? The, the, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, 
Christ is priest. And because of this, I rejoice. And he doesn't stop there. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. The second half, he says, whether from false motives or true, it doesn't really matter. Christ is priest. That's what matters. That's my grandmother, my mom's mother. Back in the days in, um, in Nepal in the 1950s, when Nepal first opened to other countries, before that um, Nepal was not open to other countries. So in the 50s when uh, Nepal was open to, um, to other countries, many missionaries went to Nepal. Many CMS missionaries and INF missionaries, they went to Nepal from Australia as well, um, even from Tasmania. Many missionaries went to Nepal. And during that time, many Nepalese became Christians, and one of them was my grandmother. So my grandmother was one of the earliest Christians in Nepal. And then, so I remember my grandmother telling me stories when they first became a Christian, and when they would travel on a bus or on an airplane, or, um, and if, if the person who is sitting next to them happens to be a Christian, they would have a great time, they would have a great connection, they would encourage one another, pray for one another, uplift one another, they would have a great time. So especially in Nepal, if you are traveling on a bus, uh, and it's rude not to talk to the person next to you. And you should ask, and, and, and it's okay to ask questions like, what's your name? What do you do for a living? How much do you earn? Are you married or not? Have you got kids? What are their names? It's okay to ask all those questions. But in Australia, well, I tried, it didn't work. <laughs> so... People prefer not to do, um, not to ask those questions. Anyway, so I, I remember telling me, my grandmother telling me stories that when they would travel on a bus, they would have a great time. As soon as they find out that there's a Christian, they would have a great time. They would even pray for one another. They would exchange the address as well, postal address, so that they could, they could keep in touch. Uh, they could send e- um, letters and things like that. They wouldn't ask, what denomination do you come from? What sort of theology do you have? What sort of doctrine do you hold? All they knew was they believed in the same new God, Jesus, who died for them. That's what they believe. And they are saved by, they are saved by him alone, by grace. So no criticism, no comparison, no conflict, but joy, love, encouragement, prayer and support. Of course, we need to have you know, constructive um, criticism as well. But... We need to encourage one another, pray for one another, and we need to share the gospel. And most, important, most importantly, we need to rejoice because Christ is praised. Whenever Christ is praised, we need to rejoice. That should be our first reaction. We need to rejoice. So if you want to see Christ is praised at Sabi's, you can come and talk to me. We can rejoice together. I would like to give you some more information if you want to pray for me or a partner with me in the gospel. Uh, please come and talk to me.